Praise God. You know, in the last segment of our current sermon series, Nehemiah showed us that in order to rebuild God's premises and to rebuild God's people, we are going to have to move ahead in God's given purpose. God has called us, His people, to have, to possess enough holy ambition for such a time as this. So, my question for you this morning is this. Will we be remembered as a people who had enough foresight to stand in the gap and build up the wall for the future of our children, our grandchildren, and for their families? I want to be remembered that way, and I pray you do too. And I believe that we all like the thought of being remembered. We like the thought of being remembered well. I mean, I think to some degree we all do. I mean, think about this for a second. It makes us feel significant when somebody remembers our name. Especially if they've never met us or it's been a long time since they've seen us. But the question is, what are they remembering us for? Well, listen, y'all. Names, names represent... People that God loves. And so as I think of all of your names this morning, I'm reminded of people that God loves. And as we come to Nehemiah chapter 3, we're going to hear a whole lot of names today. Names that you likely have never heard of before in your life. And I want to tell you why. In the first two chapters of Nehemiah, Nehemiah posted in his journal that he left his trusted position as the king's cupbearer in a place called Shushan in Persia in order to go to God's city, Jerusalem, to rebuild the walls that surrounded the city. After Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem, he prays to God, he looks carefully at the situation. He listens to godly counsel, both from God and from other people. And then Nehemiah casts a vision. He casts a vision of how he planned to rebuild those walls. He faithfully declares that God has been working behind the scenes just like He does in your life. And as God worked behind the scenes... For the benefit of his people, God paved a way for those walls to be rebuilt, just like he does in our day. This inspired every one of God's people to be a part of something that God himself had initiated. And so as we come to chapter 3, the rebuilding has begun. And what we are doing here today is, 2,465 years later, is we are remembering. We're remembering these people not so much for what they did. We're remembering who participated in the rebuilding process there in Jerusalem. Their names are recorded in the Bible 
for all posterity, for the whole future to know. Why? Because listen carefully. They are winners. They are winners. And you know, it's great to be a winner. It's great to be a part of a winning team. Matter of fact, let me ask you this question. Tell me, what do you think all of these men that I'm getting ready to tell you have in common? Here we go. If you're ready, say amen. Michael Jordan. Larry Bird. Clyde the Glide Drexler. David the Admiral Robinson. Patrick Ewing. Scotty Pippen. Carl Malone. Magic Johnson. What do they all have in common? Well, every one of those guys were a part of the 1992 American Olympic basketball dream team. And that dream team won every single basketball game that they played. And in fact, the closest team to get close to them was Croatia in the finals. And America still whooped them by 32 points. And America... The American Dream Team won the gold medal. What does that have to do with chapter 3 of Nehemiah? Well, it's important to note that Nehemiah, he didn't go out to the people and beg them to be part of this project. No, God assembled a dream team. After hearing what God was proposing to do, The people came together and ultimately pulled it off. They were inspired by what God had taught Nehemiah. And God inspired Nehemiah to be sure that that dream team, that those people were recognized. Why? Because these were heroic men and heroic women, even heroic sons and daughters. These are people with holy ambition for the future of God's people. So today, in Nehemiah chapter 3, we're going to be seeing seven qualities that God looks for as He assembles His dream team. And I pray when we're done, you're going to want to be a part of it. Amen? The first uh, quality that we find about Nehemiah's dream team, God's dream team, is that they were people of priority. In Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 1, just one verse right now, the Bible says, Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it. They hung its doors. They built as far as the Tower of the Hundred and consecrated it as far as the Tower of Hananel. Now, right there in the first verse, we're shown that the work begins in the spiritual center. The work begins in the spiritual center. The priest didn't sit idly by while everybody else did the work. No, they committed themselves to the work, and they joined in too. Now, what is also significant here is that the very first place that was repaired was a place called the Sheep Gate. The Sheep Gate, and it's important because that's the gate that was closest 
to the temple. That's the gate that was closest to the spiritual center of the city. That's the place where people came to keep their eyes on God. Because for the work to continue, that's what the people were going to have to do. Keep their eyes on God. Now that sheep gate got its name from the animals that were brought in through that gate for the temple sacrifices. And since the sheep gate is mentioned numero uno, we can certainly get the idea that our priority is going to have to be to put God first as we serve Him for His glory. When you and your family come here, you are declaring your priority. When you come here, you are declaring that God is first. You've come here to worship your God, to feed your soul, and to train up your children. And for us today, the next generation is also a priority. So these were people of priority, but these were also people of unity. Look in verse 2. Next to Eliashib, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zachar the son of Emery built. And the sons of Hassaniah built the fish gate and laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolt and bars. Next to them, Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Koz, made repairs. Next to them, Mishalem, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshabel, made repairs. Next to them, Zedek, the son of Bana, made repairs. And next to them, the Tekoites made repairs. But their nobles did not put their shoulder to work for the Lord. So we see here in that little passage that the work is accomplished shoulder to shoulder. Repeatedly in those verses, we find the words next or next to them. The idea here is, is that the people were working together. The people were working side by side. They were working together all with the same aspiration, the same goal, and the same glory of God. They are building a wall, yes, to provide protection from themselves, for themselves, but they're also building a wall for the next generation of God's people. So as they participate next to each other, they encourage one another and they demonstrate how incredibly vital it is to have unity. Unity. That's a real lesson for us here in the church because we will never get beyond what we're able to do when we get along. Amen? We'll never get beyond how well we get along. We have to work together. And if we're not united in God's given purpose, friend, we'll never be able to make a difference for the future of God's people. So what kind of people does God use for His dream team? Well, He uses people of priority, and He uses people of unity. Now, before I go to this next point, can I just tell you that some of us are really weird. Amen? Some of you more than others, amen, we're, but we're all a little weird. It's a little obvious that we're all a little weird. Well, 
on God's dream team, he also brings people of individuality. Check this out in verse 6. Moreover, Jehida the son of Passiah and Meshulam the son of Besadiah repaired the old gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolt and bars. And next to them, Melatiah the Gibeonite and Jadon the Maranathite, the men of Gibeon and Mizpah, repaired the residence of the governor of the region beyond the river. Next to him, Uziel the son of Herahiah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs. And next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, made repairs. And they fortified Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And next to them, Rephiah, the son of Hur, leader of the half-district of Jerusalem, made repairs. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Haramath, made repairs in front of his house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashbaniah, made repairs. Malchijah, the son of Haram, made repairs on another section, as well as the tower of the ovens. And next to him was Shalom, the, the son of Halahesh, leader of the half-district of Jerusalem. And he and his daughters made repairs. Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoah repaired the valley gate. They built it, hung its doors with its bolt and bars, and they repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the refuse gate. Malchijah, the son of Rechab, the leader of the district of Beth Hasarim, repaired the refuse gate and built it and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. Friends, did y'all hear the variety of individuals in that passage? What I want to tell you this morning is, yeah, you're weird, but embrace your weirdness. Amen? Let's embrace our individuality because there's many different individuals that are going to come together to do the work of God here at Bethel Baptist Church. Now, I would have looked for the construction types to do the work. Amen? I'd have looked for guys with big arms like Kyle. Amen? I'd have looked for those sleeveless t-shirts and somebody wearing a hard hat with a ponytail hanging out the back. Maybe a couple of tattoos here and there. But not Nehemiah. Nehemiah encourages everybody to get involved in the work. He inspires the priests. He inspires the goldsmiths. He inspires the the perfume makers and the merchants. He even inspires the district leaders to do their part in fulfilling their God-given purpose. So what we see here in that passage is that work is done by all kinds of different people. We all have to have a hand in the, building the future of God's people here at Bethel. Now, in verse 11 and 14, we find two people with the same name, Malchijah. But they were different people, and they served the Lord and rebuilt different parts of the wall. So you may have the same name as somebody else, but you're still different. My point is this. There were countless individuals individuals just living life, just working in unity, and accomplishing our God-given agenda. It's also interesting in verse 12 that Nehemiah records in his journal that there was a leader named Shalom. And Shalom even had his daughters rebuilding the wall. Now that gives you hope, don't it, Lexi? 
Amen. You're going to be rebuilding the wall, sister. Amen. But all of our daughters are even going to be involved in rebuilding for the future of God's people. That was honorable work. It wasn't just work that was saved aside for the men. No, this was for everyone. Everyone who had a stake in the future of God's people. You see, every single one of us has something to offer. You may not know what it is. But every one of us has something to offer. And everything that you have to offer has great, great value. That being said, God's dream team was also composed of people of generosity. Take a look at verse 13 again. Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoa repaired the valley gate and they built it, hung its doors with its bolt and bars and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the refuse gate. Now, you need to know what a thousand cubits looks like. A thousand cubits is 500 yards. So this one man and his family repaired five football fields long of this wall. Very, very generous with his time. Verse 14, Malchijah, the son of Rechab, leader of the district of Beth Hesarim, repaired the refuse gate, and he built it and hung its doors with his bolt and bars. Shalon, the son of Colheza, leader of the district of Mizpah, rebuilt the fountain gate, and he built it and covered it and hung its doors with its bolts and bars, and he repaired the wall by the pool of Shelah, by the king's garden, as far as the stairs that go down to the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, leader of the half-district of Bethzur, made repairs as far as the place in front of the tombs of David to the man-made pool as far as the house of the mighty. After him, the Levites, the religious people. Under Rahab, the son of Bani, made repairs. Next to him, Hashabiah, leader of the half-district of Keilah, made repairs for his district. After him... Their brethren under Babai, the son of Hinnadad, leader of the other half of the district of Keilah, made repairs. And next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, leader of Mizpah, repaired another section in front of the sent to the armory at the buttress or at the corner of it all. I want you to see that this work was done by people who were willing to sacrifice. They were willing to sacrifice. I mean, when we read about God's people rebuilding this wall around Jerusalem, the first thing I thought was, well, they should. I mean, they live there, right? If they rebuild the wall, then they'll just be protecting themselves and their families. But what you don't know is this. This section that was being rebuilt was being done by out-of-towners. These people lived some 15 or 20 miles outside of town and they would come all the way to Jerusalem to work on that wall. So there was little or no immediate benefit to them if Jerusalem's walls were repaired or not. Yet they were willing to leave the comfort of their house, travel 15 to 20 miles for a greater cause, the future of God's people. They were people of sacrifice. And they were people of great generosity. These people had their own fields. They had their own farms. 
They had their own businesses to maintain. They had their own, own families to care for. Yet they showed up to do this sweaty, back-breaking work for the future of God's people. They were people of sacrifice and of generosity. Now, friend, do you know that God built this church in 1909? That God built this church in 1909 and He did it through people who are willing to sacrifice. Through people who are willing to work for the future of God's people. When I think of those people, many of which are long since gone, they built this place, they built this church by God's leading and God's power and God's strength and they did it for me and you. They were not only providing themselves a place to raise their families, they were also providing for the future of God's people. They were ready to do anything, anything that was necessary in order to further God's agenda. They were willing to put God's first. They were willing to set aside their own cares, at least temporarily. And they were willing to exhibit great generosity. So friend, as we move forward in God's agenda, whatever that may be, we will continue to need that kind of generosity and that kind of sacrifice. So what kind of people does God use as He assembles His dream team? Well, He uses people of priority. He uses people of unity. He uses people of individuality and people of generosity. But He also uses people of humility. Let's go back a little bit to verse 5. Next to them, the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulder to the work of their Lord. So the work is not done. The work is not done by those who are filled with some sense of self-importance. Verse 5 is the only negative in this whole entry In Nehemiah's journal, it says that the leaders of Tekoa did not put their shoulder to the work. The leaders of Tekoa knew that their help was needed. They knew that help was needed, but they refused to get involved. They refused to help. Pride kept them from getting in the way. Pride kept them from getting involved in the work. They weren't going to stoop that low to work on a wall. They weren't going to stoop that low. They were too important to do the manual labor required. But take note of this. Everybody that's remembered in this chapter is spoken of in a positive light except for these leaders of Tekoa. They're remembered, all right. But these leaders of Tekoa are remembered forever for failure because they did not put their shoulder to the work of the Lord. That's a good lesson for me and you. Because listen, y'all, God records your name. God records all of our names, and God records those who goof off. Amen. Some of us get plugged in. Some of us do the work, some of us don't. But we're all family. But just remember, God knows. Amen. 
Pride is a cruel, cruel enemy. And pride kept them from working, and it can keep us from working. It's a good lesson for us to remember that self-importance will keep us from fulfilling our God-given purpose. Now, these were also people of great responsibility. Take a peek. I'm not going to read all of this chapter, but take a peek at verse 28. Yeah, let me go to verse 28. Beyond the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. And after them, Zadok, the son of Emmer, made repairs in front of his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, made repairs. And after him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, made repairs in front of his dwelling. These were people of responsibility. And this work, friends, was done by people who were willing to give their best. To give their best to see God's work done. How do you know that, Bill? Well, check this out. When Nehemiah makes the assignment, when he assigns the work that's going to be done on the wall, he encourages people to do the work that's right there in front of their own house. That way, they'd be given an opportunity to protect their own reputation. Think about this. If the wall in front of your own home is in shambles, then maybe you're not putting God first. If the wall in front of your own house is in shambles, well, maybe you just really don't care. Or maybe you're just too lazy to figure out what needs to be done right there in front of your own house. But, on the other hand, if your wall is looking good and all repaired and everything, well, then you're freed up to serve God in yet another area. You see, sometimes our ministry opportunities are not near as far away as we think they are. Consider this. Your greatest ministry opportunity might be right in front of your home. It might be the people that God has already brought into your life, like your family. It may be the people that you live around. It may be the people that you work with. It may be the people that you go to school with. So my point is this. Don't be looking elsewhere for ministry opportunities if the wall right in front of you is in disrepair. Let's take responsibility for what God has already given us to do. We need to learn to walk and chew gum at the same time, right? We need to be serving God in the here and now, but also serving God for the future of his people. So what kind of people does God use when he assembles his dream team? People of priority, people of unity. People of individuality and generosity. People of humility and responsibility. But finally, God uses people of intensity. Look in verse 20. After him, Barak, the son of Zabai, carefully repaired the other section. The more literal translation there is, he zealously repaired the other section from the butchers to the door of the house of Eliashib the high priest. And then in verse 27, 
After them, the Tekoites, less their leaders, of course, the Tekoites repaired another section next to the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. Now, the work is finished by people who go above and beyond. The work is going to be finished by people who are willing to go above and beyond. There in verse 20, Nehemiah mentions that Barak is one of the people who is zealous. He is passionate for standing in the gap and building up the wall. He is enthusiastic. This boy is on fire, y'all, to get this work done for God's future. And in verse 27, the Tekoites, they've already finished one part. They finished one part, and what did they do? Did they brush off their britches? Did they go wash their hands and say, I'm done? No. They immediately went looking for yet another section of the wall to repair. They were eager to do God's work. They were eager to go the extra mile when it came to the future of God's people. Can I tell you this? Our church still needs people with passion of every age. Young and old and everything in between. And God looks for those kinds of people that simply will not settle for what has been done. He wants people that are constantly looking for what still needs to be done. And as we look to the future of this church, we see that there is plenty that still needs to be done. Now all this shows us that we're going to have to have courage. We're going to have to have courage to be a team. I read this, uh, this saying, and man, it's one over my heart. And it goes like this. Teamwork makes the dream work. Amen? Teamwork makes the dream work. We all say that with me? Teamwork makes the dream work. The only way this is going to get done is if we all get together and do it. God calls us to courageously, temporarily set aside our own cares, our own preferences, our own desires, our own hurts, our own pride, so that the whole team will succeed. God seeks those people who are willing to commit their time, commit their talent, commit their treasure, all to accomplish His purposes for lost people in the here and now, and in the future generation. Are you part of the team? Are you part of the team? What kind of people does he use? He uses people who've got their priorities straight. He uses people who are willing to be unified. He uses people who are, are, are individuals. He uses people who are weird. Amen? That means every one of us got a hope, Right? He uses people who are generous. He uses people who are humble. He uses people who are responsible, not only for this generation, but the future generation of God's people. He uses people who are intense. He uses people who've got a passion, not only for the things of God today, but the ones that are going to come tomorrow. You know, it's been said that if you can do this job by yourself, then your vision's too small. If you can do it by yourself, then your vision's too small. That's why teamwork makes the dream work. 
Because it's going to take all of us. More importantly, it's going to take God. It's going to take God. We need Nehemiah's can-do spirit. But there's one thing about Nehemiah. He recognized the source of that spirit. He recognized that God was doing a mighty work in him and through him. He was confident about God's agenda. He was confident about the call of God. And he was ready to move forward. Because the job was big. The job was huge. So I don't want you to be confused this morning. If I caused any confusion last Sunday, forgive me. Here's what I'm asking for. This and nothing more. I'm asking for you to pray. I'm asking for you to pray for a plan. I'm asking you to pray for a plan to prepare. I'm asking you to pray for a plan to prepare for the future of God's people. I don't know what that is. I mentioned last week, this is so far over my head, it ain't even funny. So we're going to pray. Pray for a strategy that God will give us as a team to prepare for the future of God's people. By Nehemiah gathering God's dream team, we're reminded that God designed church to function together. The church was not designed to be full of loners. We're designed to be together. In fact, we're designed not to do anything alone, but everything together. We need each other. Would you agree with that? We need each other. It's teamwork that makes the dream work. And we are designed to be a team and to grow together. And the good news for you in that is, that means that you have a place here. God wants you to grow right where you're planted. So remember all these names. It shows us that God records your name. You're on the wall. Whether you know it or not, you're on the wall and God has recorded your name. Will God remember your name as someone who was part of the dream team to accomplish His plans for the future of God's people? But you know what? Remembering these names also reminds us that while you might feel unknown, you might feel unimportant, you need to know that God knows you. That God adores you. And that God has a place for you. In fact, God loves you so much that He sent His one and only Son to pay the price for your sins. And if you'll accept that gift and be saved, you can escape sin's everlasting penalty. And when you're saved from sin, you're then saved to serve. And you can bet that God has a strategic place for you right on that wall. So listen, friend. You belong on God's team. 
You belong on God's team. Is it time for you to join God's team forever? If so, it may take a little courage. The only way it's going to happen is if you come by faith alone in Christ. But you can be part of the team. And you can share in the building of the future of God's people. Will you become part of God's team today? Forever. For all eternity. He wants you to be part of his dream team that builds for the future of his people. Let me pray for you. Father God, you are a miraculous God. And Father, we know that we are nothing but vessels and instruments in your holy hand. We humbly pray today that every person that is here in person and every person that is listening online is part of your team. Lord, I pray that they'd be people of priority and people of unity. Lord, help them to be people that are weird and people that are generous, people that are humble, people that are responsible, and people that are intense to see your work done both today and tomorrow. Lord, if there's one listening that has to firmly identify that they're just not part of the team right now, they haven't come by faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone, Lord, let this be their day. Father, allow me the privilege of showing what the Bible says about how they can have their sins forgiven. And be eternally saved from sin's awful, awful penalty. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this team. Lord, I pray you draw us closer than we've ever been. And that, Lord, we would continue to pray, to pray, to pray, to pray for a plan, to pray for a plan to prepare for the future of God's people. We love you, and we thank you for first loving us and that while we were still sinners, you sent Jesus to die in our stead. And for that, we'll be eternally grateful. Your will be done in this decision time. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's all stand and sing. I surrender all. Let's stand. Let's sing. <clears throat> Thank you.